Let me invite you to open your Bibles with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where we will be reading together in just a few moments from God's Word. Once you have found 1 Corinthians 16, I should say, 1 Corinthians 16, if you would like to open a Bible also and mark it in John chapter 10, our key text in just a few moments will be John 10, but we will launch in just a moment from 1 Corinthians 16. Good morning to all of you. It is so good to see you, so good to be with you. Those of you who are guests with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We want to devote the next few minutes to hearing directly from God in His Word this morning. We're glad that you're here. Thank you to Bryce and Bill and Wyatt and Josh for the way that you have led us in worship this morning. It is such a blessing on a Sunday morning, first thing to come and to be led by brothers. It is very evident their, their hearts are prepared. They are eager and full of joy to lead us before the throne of God. And so thank you for that this morning. Before we get going, let me remind you, if uh, you have not been joining us on Wednesday evenings for our summer series, it has been just a rich, challenging, perspective-giving series that we have just two sessions left, Lord willing, this Wednesday evening. Our brother Ryan Cummings from across the river will come and focus our attention on such special words from the great hymn, In Christ Alone, No Guilt in Life, No Fear in Death. How could you possibly put a price tag on the opportunity to have no guilt in life, no fear in death? It is available as our brothers have already mentioned in a variety of ways this morning through Jesus, and we would love for you to join us at 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening to learn a little bit more about that. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9, we're jumping right into the middle of a context, obviously, really right into the, the end of a powerful letter from the pen of the Apostle Paul, I want to draw your attention just to a few words in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. The Apostle Paul writes at the end of this letter, a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I'd like to think particularly about that last phrase in light of where Roger has been with us on Sunday mornings over the course of the last few weeks. Of course, talking with us about the work of shepherding. And Lord willing, next Sunday he will wrap that series up by talking with us about life in the flock of God. But before he draws that series to a close by drawing our attention to life in the flock, what I would like to do is just keep that ball rolling by looking outside the flock. A little in, as we will notice, 
but mostly out. I appreciate Wyatt drawing your attention to this attention-grabbing picture, and I'd encourage you to keep that in mind as you have your Bibles now open to the Gospel of John chapter 10. I'd, I'd like just to read with you a little. This is, according to verse 6, a figure of speech that Jesus used, and it confused a good number of people. Our aim this morning is not to confuse you, but to walk our way through it and notice just how serious the threats are, but how good the shepherd is, and how amazing his grace is that we could be his, and he could be ours. Do you begin reading with me in John chapter 10, verse 1, where Jesus himself says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Notice this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life. For the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. One shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life. That I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. 
And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Did you notice how many adversaries there are in John chapter 10? We could start with the stranger. In a sense, he is passing by outside. We heard Jesus in John chapter 10 verse 5 describe this stranger that the sheep will not follow. They, they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Well, in what sense is that figure in this big figure of speech, an adversary. Well, if he is a stranger, in one sense we could say, as he is passing by, he is spouting what Hebrews 13 and verse 9 describes as diverse and strange teachings. And so I want you to picture a sheepfold. Picture where those sheep are. And a stranger that is passing by. And they hear his voice. But they know that is not the voice of the shepherd. Now perhaps some foolish, extra foolish wayward, anxious to get out of the sheepfold. Sheep will hear that voice and it will get his attention and he will decide, I'm out of here. I I think I want to go see what's out there. But I want you to notice how, how the writer of Hebrews speaks to disciples of Jesus and acknowledges there are lots of people wandering by, doing whatever they have to do to garner a great deal of attention, and what they are saying, what they are teaching, what they are spouting is described by the Holy Spirit as strange. Not in the sense that it is in some foreign language or Something that I I, I can't possibly wrap my head around, but it is a teaching that does not line up with, a, a teaching that does not harmonize with the voice of my shepherd. Children in our audience this morning, middle schoolers, Junior high, high schoolers, those of you about to take classes on college campuses. I feel pretty confident in saying this year, you're going to hear some diverse things. Some strange things. And what I am not, I want you to listen to me very carefully this morning. What I'm not telling you is, well, if you've never heard it before, you just tune it out, don't ever pay any attention. It is good to learn. It is good to be challenged in our thinking. We we seek to challenge our thinking in this big room week by week. But young person, could I... So strongly encourage you. 
this morning. Make sure that what you believe lines up with the voice of the Good Shepherd. You're going to hear all sorts of things in the classroom, online, on YouTube. We're going to hear all sorts of things this week. In the news, we will hear all sorts of things from our neighbors. We will hear all sorts of things all around us this week. Let's acknowledge our authority is the shepherd. Don't go chasing the voice of a stranger without comparing what you are hearing to the word of the good shepherd. It gets more serious in John chapter 10. There is that stranger who is passing by, but Jesus also drew our attention to the hired hand. He's he's not outside, he's inside. John chapter 10, verse 12, Jesus said, He who is a hired hand and and not a shepherd, who who does not own the sheep, We'll, we'll talk about how he gets himself in trouble in just a moment. In verse 13, he flees because he is a hired hand. And what's the problem? He cares nothing for the sheep. The stranger's on the outside passing by. The hired hand is on the inside. But the problem with the hired hand is he's only on the inside for selfish reasons. What can I get out of this? What are you going to do for me? Disciple of Jesus, could I challenge you this morning? Even as I challenge myself, let's not be like hired hands. Who come even into this room with the attitude, well, I'm here, what are you going to do for me? I'm here, what are you going to do for me in the next hour? I'm here, you better better keep my attention, you you, you better do what I want you to do, You, you better do it in the way that I want you to do it, because I'm here as a consumer. Could I remind all of us, myself included, we can read the Bible from cover to cover and never does God call any of us to be consumers. He's calling us, he's inviting us by his grace to be participators. Let's not be hired hands that are just here for what we can get. Even to the point of taking advantage of those around us. It gets even more serious when Jesus talks about the thief. John chapter 10 and verse 1, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This man, this woman, comes into the sheepfold with an agenda. This man, this woman, comes in with the express purpose of dividing, of conquering, of stirring up trouble. If it comes at the cost of a conscience, 
If it comes at the, the, the cost of the sensibilities of my brothers and sisters in Christ, I, I don't really care what you think. This is what I think, and what I think matters more than what you think. This perhaps comes at the cost of a soul. As an infant in Christ watches the way that I swagger into the sheepfold and act as if I own the place. And you better do what I want you to do or else. That has an effect on you. It has an effect on me. It it has an effect on, on the people around us. But how much more so on those who... They've just heard good news about Jesus and and they've heard of the grace and and they want to be heaven bound. But I'm not sure why this brother or this sister would be willing to steal and kill and destroy just because that's the way they want it. Now the, the stakes are really serious. Jesus goes on. Describing the wolf. Did you notice that in John chapter 10 and verse 12? I told you we would come back to this hired hand. He, verse 12, who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. And that hired hand leaves the sheep and flees. And what happens with an unguarded sheep? Well, That sheep doesn't stand a chance. The wolf snatches what he can and scatters the rest. Maybe it makes you think of Jesus' warning in his great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 when he told his disciples, you need to beware, you must be wary. There are people spouting all sorts of things out there, spouting strange and diverse teachings. But you need to understand that even those who wear my name may get to the point where they have a false agenda. Matthew 7 verse 15, beware of False prophets. What makes them false? Well, they're not inwardly what they appear to be outwardly. Outwardly, they put on a nice show. Outwardly, they're full of charisma. Outwardly, they're just racking up followers left and right. But Jesus, I want you to notice, he he does not just alert us, hey, this is out there, I know more than you do, good luck with that, I'm not going to be here very long. He, he teaches us, watch, remember who the authority is, listen to these voices, compare what you are hearing with the voice of the good shepherd. Not everyone is inwardly what they appear to be outwardly. With that in mind, let's go to the book of Acts in your New Testament. A few pages after this, Acts chapter 20. I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul, knowing that he very well would never see shepherds of the church in Ephesus again. That church meant a great deal to Paul. He was instrumental in its beginning. 
He prayed for them. He worked among them. He spent years among them. And he realizes my race is reaching the home stretch. And so on his way to Jerusalem, he calls those shepherds down from Ephesus. And if you'd like, you could read the entire communication in Acts 20. I want just to draw your attention beginning in verse 27, where Paul reminds them, I did not shrink from declaring to you the voice of the shepherd, the whole counsel of God. You need to know the shepherd's will for your life. And then he tells these shepherds, pay careful attention. Why? Why has this warning stood for 2,000 years? Pay careful attention to yourselves. My walk with Jesus begins with me. It begins with you as an individual. Pay Careful attention to yourself this week. Pay attention to who you are listening to this week. Pay attention to what you are being fed this week. He tells these leaders, these shepherds in Ephesus, you must also pay attention to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Why the strong language? Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves, not pet wolves, not friendly wolves, not trainable wolves, not let's give them the benefit of the doubt and see what happens next wolves. Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men. Speaking twisted things. You see, out there and in the sheepfold, strange and diverse things matter. Could I encourage you dedicated disciple of Jesus, been walking with Jesus for a good long time. It's good to learn. It's good to be challenged. Good to sharpen our understanding. Be wary of swallowing hook, line, and sinker something you've never ever heard before. Paul warns there will be those who come speaking Twisted things. They might have some element of truth, but that truth has been taken and twisted and contorted. And the goal is to draw away disciples after themselves. The goal is not to lead closer to the Good Shepherd. The goal is follow me. I'm going to show you something you've never seen before. I'm going to tell you something you've never heard before. Therefore, Be alert. There are many adversaries in John chapter 10. And there is one that is not mentioned there. But could I suggest to you, in the scenes, aware of everything that these other adversaries are doing, is the one who delights most 
in sheep of God being devoured. He's described as a lion, the lion in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, where all Christians are called to be sober-minded, be watchful, be your, your adversary, the devil, proud. He's in the distance, in the tall grass, watching, waiting, prowling with a heart to devour someone. Doesn't matter who it is. If he or she is created in the image of God, that's the target. And let's realize this morning that if you created in the image of God, separated by sin, but now reconciled to God, having been washed in blood, the blood of the Lamb, let's recognize this morning how much the lion would love to devour a blood-soaked saint of God. Be on the alert is the call. As I thought about, okay, figure of speech of Jesus, how, how can we walk this off the page and make it as as practical and, and easy to wrap our minds around. Okay, what, what's that going to look like in everyday life? Our Bible reading recently took us through Joshua chapter 22. And so before we're done this morning, would you open your Bibles with me back to Joshua chapter 22. And as you are turning back there, could I strongly encourage you? Open your Bibles this week. Feed yourself with the, the pasture God has provided in His Word this week. If you follow along with our, our scheduled readings, they're right there in your bulletin. You're, you're going to read about some sad history in Judges. This is what it looks like when people don't respect God's authority. But you're also going to read the book of Acts. This is the difference that Jesus as King can make in my life and in anybody's life. Here recently we were reading from Joshua 22. Israel's greatest human shepherd of the past, Moses, died years ago. His successor, Joshua, is now a very old man. What has been conquered, what will be conquered for the foreseeable future in, in this new promised land, it's, it's done. And Joshua realizes things are winding down and, and the troops are going back home. Some of them are going to the other side of, of the Jordan River and it, it unsettles Joshua a little that tens of thousands of God's children are going to be on, on the other side of the Jordan River, a long ways away from everybody else. And as he gives them, in a sense, a, a final pep talk before sending them east, I want you to notice just the, 
the verbs. In Joshua chapter 22, and how in many ways they describe a, a kind of sheepfold. That's the figure of speech that Jesus used. You can still see them in various parts of the world today. It's where the sheep would spend the night. Where the sheep were most secure. Joshua, in Joshua 22, he's not using a figure of speech, but with that sheepfold in mind. I want you to read with me just verse 5, where he says, Only be very careful. That sounds a lot like the Apostle Paul, doesn't it? Only be very careful to observe. Observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Observe. Some, something is there. Recognize that it's there. You'll drive by speed limit signs that are there today. It is up to you whether or not you observe them. To observe is to recognize, okay, something is there that I didn't put there. And if it was put there by someone in authority, I, I, I better pay attention. And as we attach that to this idea of the sheepfold, it's he, here are the boundaries. Observe God's law. He knows better than you. He knows more than you. He is for you. In here is where you are to be. And there are strange and diverse things out there. Observe the boundaries. Number two, love the Lord your God. Your God put boundaries in your life to observe because He loves you. Trust the heart of your shepherd. Number three, walk in all his ways. Follow this shepherd's lead. At times you may not know why. At times you may not know where. At times you may not know when. Trust the shepherd's heart for you. He knows the way home. Number four, keep his commandments. Trust the heart behind his staff that redirects you, his, his rod that points the way, his, his staff that sometimes nudges you, sometimes wraps around your neck and pulls you back in a different direction. Trust the heart behind the rod that at times hits you over the head because you need to wake up and pay attention. Number five, cling to Him. What a powerful word. The good life is with the shepherd. The good life isn't out there in that strange, diverse, dark, self-centered pasture. 
There is nothing and no one out there worth enjoying at the expense of a relationship with this good shepherd. Cling to him. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Don't just go through a checklist. Don't just do it because other people are doing it. Don't do it because this is what mom and dad did. Don't, don't. Just go through the motions because this is what grandma and grandpa did. Make the choice. He is my shepherd. Let's end back in John chapter 10 where Jesus shows us the way in. He's used this figure of speech all along the way of a, a sheepfold. And clearly what he's communicating, what Scripture has communicated in a variety of different ways is, this is where I'm supposed to be. How do I get in? We just listen to Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 7 when he said, truly... Truly I say to you, I am the door. And, and there's another figure of speech where, well, I'm, okay, that, that sounds like he did something great for me, but I'm not exactly sure what, what that is. Historically, many times, we, we know that a, a shepherd would literally lay in that gap overnight. Sheep are on the inside. In order to get to the sheep, you've got to go through me. Sheep are on the inside. Sheep are prone to wonder. In order to get out, you're going to have to go by me. So what does Jesus mean by this? Well, we keep reading, and he, he, he says again in verse 9, he, he doesn't want us to miss it. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. Why? Because now he is with me. He is following my lead. She is clinging to me. He continues in verse 10. That thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The very reason that I came is that you might have life and have it abundantly let's get that in our minds this morning not in here in this building but within the sheepfold of God here is life here is the life don't believe the lies this week that tell you the good life is out there no the good life is here and it was purchased by the blood of Jesus, the Son of God himself. Abundant life. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. I've laid down my life for you. He says in verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life. But you see, here's what's different between me and him, you and him. You can, you can choose to lay down your life this week. But it will not be within your power to take it up again. 
with the Son of God? It's different. Verse 18, no one takes this life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And that all sounds like really good news, but you know, that was a long time ago. We're on the other side of the planet. We speak a different language. We dress differently. We drive cars. We're thankful for air conditioning. That's Still true of us? Before Jesus concluded this figure of speech, he told these descendants of Abraham, you're not the only ones. This isn't an Israel project. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. One flock that has been in existence for 2,000 years. One shepherd who is just as surely alive this morning as he was 2,000 years ago. And I want you to think. As we sing this invitation song about this loving shepherd. Yes, there are, there are many adversaries. But I want to draw your attention to the language we started with. And I want you to notice with thankfulness in your hearts to God this morning. That this sentence did not read... There's an open door, but there are many adversaries. Who knows whether that door will stay open? Who knows how long? No, that's not what the Holy Spirit through Paul said. He said, there are many adversaries. There were then. There are this morning. And there is an open door. And those adversaries cannot shut what God has opened. That door continues to be opened this very morning. His name is Jesus. He is the Lamb. Who gave himself as a sacrifice for your sins. He is the door. Whereby you can come to be a part of God's people. He is the good shepherd. Who is calling. And as you hear his voice this morning. If you're ready to turn your back on sin. You're ready to confess your belief. I believe he is the Christ, the son of the living God. I want to be washed in his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. I want to start walking with him. And we can help you do that right here, right now in this water that is prepared. Would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front of this room while we stand and sing together.